0: because that's very, very important. And I would urge you guys and, and really uh, encourage you guys to, to continue to do that the entire time that they're there. Pray for them, pray for your pastor, and uh, that just God would show up and do some amazing things there, amen? So with that, I'm gonna talk to you guys today uh, based off of a, a, um, a series that, that, that I've been doing at Access, and it's on the Beatitudes. And if you guys were at All Access Uh, At the last all-access, I know some of you were, uh, probably the majority of you were not, but we we started off with the very first beatitude, which is in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then we moved on to the next one, which is blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Um, Matter of fact, the next all-access, your pastor is going to be speaking uh, at that service. So show up to that one. That's going to be, what is it, July 4th, I think? July 6th, see, you guys know, I don't even know when it is. So, July 6th, but he's literally going to come back from this trip and he's going to deliver a a strong word. So, you guys should come out and and support your pastor, right? So, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I think, and you know what, to be completely honest and and real with you guys, I thought that, and I have read that scripture many times as I go through the Sermon on the Mount because it was part of the longest sermon that Jesus ever gave. We find, starting in Matthew chapter 5, he's sitting on a mountaintop, and people come, whole crowd, they're all listening to him, and and he starts going through these eight ways to be blessed. And by the way, I want to tell you what that word blessed actually means in the original Greek. You guys want to learn some Greek real quick? Everyone say makarios. Everyone say makarios. Makarios means happy. So everything that Jesus was saying in these Beatitudes is very, very contrary to what we would consider blessed or happy. He says, happy are those who mourn, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's almost as if he's saying, happy are the unhappy, happy are the sad, right? I mean, what the heck do you mean by that, Jesus? That doesn't make any sense because we don't really understand what he meant by the word mourn in this context. See, so as I was studying this, it really kind of lifted a veil. I, I, I was blown away because I thought that that scripture means blessed are those who mourn over the loss of a loved one, over the breakup of a relationship, over the loss of a friendship, over something of that nature that those people will be comforted. Now, here's what I'm not saying because the Holy Spirit is the Paracletos. Say Paracletos. Parakletos is the Greek word for the Holy Spirit. And parakletos means comforter. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? He comes to comfort us. So here's what I'm not saying, that when you do lose a loved one, or if you have lost a loved one, the Holy Spirit will be there to comfort you. So do not get what I'm saying wrong here. It's just not what Jesus said in this particular beatitude. He says, blessed are those who mourn, and he wasn't talking about when you lose a loved one in this particular scripture. He's actually talking about mourning over your sin. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning, your sin. You guys excited about that? No? Okay, good. I promise you it's going to be good, though. And if you just allow God to work in you this morning, I, I, I think you're going to leave here changed, and you're going to leave here transformed, and you're going to leave here a better person than you were before. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to come in, and he's going to comfort you. So we're going to go after it. That leads me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He says this, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. Oh, snap. Listen, <laughs> sexual immorality that pagans don't even, like, get involved in, this is bad, okay? He goes on, he says, a man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, yeah, this is in the Bible, dude. I saw that, right? The Bible. But listen, he's not, it's not like a... Uh, uh, a, a, a young man is sleeping with his mother. No, this would be like a uh, stepmom okay let 's go on because it 's getting more awkward, and you are proud exclamation point boom! and you are proud and and we this is, this is one thing that you need to understand because it 'll help kind of set up for the rest of the talk. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit as opposite of being proud in spirit. Self-righteous. Poor in spirit just means that you are completely aware of your need for God. When you're proud, you are not aware of any need that you need God. You you believe, and we believe, when we're proud that we, we don't need God, that we can actually, by good works, get into his good graces and actually get God into our debt to do good things for us. And that's not, the Bible, whatsoever. That is not what Jesus preached. So uh, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble, right? Just remember that. So he goes on, shouldn't you rather have gone into, say that word. Morning. Say that word. Morning. Morning. This is the same exact word if you look at it in the Bible and do cross-references and all of that. Uh, I, I don't have time to explain how to do that. But listen, this is the exact same word that Paul is using that was used in the Beatitudes that I just told you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Shouldn't you have gone into mourning and have put out of, out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? In other words, he's saying, this guy's got to this, this go. You're proud. You haven't mourned over this sin. You've become proud, and you haven't even... You know, sent this guy out of your presence, and then he goes and he talks about church restoration, what should happen, and then in 2 Corinthians, he actually tells them if this guy actually, you know, repents fully, that you can restore him back with joy, okay? But let's go to 2 Corinthians 7, because we're going to get into kind of what this mourning looks like. 2 Corinthians 7, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, another word for mourned is grieve, but because you were grieved into repenting. That's huge. You mourned over this, and it led you to repent. For you felt a godly grief, a godly mourning, godly sorrow, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces repentance. Say that with me. Godly grief produces repentance. Godly grief produces repentance. Good. That leads to salvation without regret. Make note of that. Without regret. That's good. Godly sorrow. If you you will mourn over your sins and see your sin for what they are, it says that it will lead you into, it will produce a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Nike swoosh, boom, put that in a commercial. With life without regret, bam. You know, it's like, that's awesome. I could, I could dig some of that, you know. That's how I want to live, though. Do you not want to live your lives without regret? Woo-hoo. Paul's telling us something here. And so is Jesus in the Beatitudes. He's on to something. Whereas, worldly grief produces death. What the heck, though? So listen, Paul's given us two different types of grief. Godly and worldly. What the heck is the difference, right? I mean, that's what I was thinking when I read this. Well, I don't, I'm I'm not sure what the difference is between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. What does that even look like? And we're going to get into that. But I want to I want to go on to the next uh, verse here. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. He's saying, I know that you had godly sorrow, but look what it produced. But also what eagerness to clear yourselves. You are eager to clear yourselves of this wrongdoing, of this sin. What indignation, what fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Indignation, fear, longing, zeal, vindication. It just, it, it keeps going on and on. So, two things that I want to get to, because I don't have a lot of time with you guys this morning. i got a whole lot to say. Uh, <laughs> If you guys come to Access, you know what I'm talking about, right? I just get going and I don't stop sometimes. And uh, godly mourning produces repentance, okay? We just took that right out of the text, okay? I didn't make that up. That's from Paul. Godly mourning, godly grief, godly sorrow produces repentance. That's our first point. Remember this for the rest of your life, please. Because listen, the Christian life is difficult. Anybody ever told you that? It's not easy. It's a struggle. So if you're struggling, struggle well. Does this make sense? Okay? So many people think that by giving your lives to Jesus Christ that everything's going to be just hunky-dory. You're going to, you know, walk this. Listen, I struggle. I struggle with things. I work in the church. I'm a pastor at a church. I struggle, I struggle, I struggle. But I always got to come to God. I mean, I got to come before him and say, God, I'm struggling with this, and I can't I can't allow it to exist in me if you, to do what you've called me to do. I can't. So take it out of me, and those are pain points, and they hurt. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those places where it's like, man, you know, know, some of the stuff that's in your life that is so difficult for you to talk to about people because if they just knew what was really going on inside of you, not what you were posting on Facebook, posting our best, right? Selfies, you and the Ferrari. That's my, yeah, I'm good, best day of my life, you know? Listen, we put up all these false, these false positives of who we really are, but on the inside, we're, we're, we're struggling, and we don't like to tell people, and for some reason, for whatsoever, I don't know why, but church has almost become a place, and it's changing, I believe. Uh, where, where, where we can't come and just be completely open and honest with each other in our small groups, and our Bible studies, whatever it looks like, even here, where we struggle, we come in with our struggles and we can't even say, you know what, I'm struggling. And we put on the good face, we come in and we worship and pretend like God doesn't know what's going on. Come on. He knows exactly what's going on. And it's okay for you to be vulnerable. Matter of fact, it's one of the, it's one of the ways that he comes in and does surgery in your soul. You know, God is like a physician. He's he's the great surgeon. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're here and you're following him, amen. If you're not and you don't even know where you stand on this whole topic, I'm so glad you're here because I've been there. I've walked in your shoes. I know what it's like to have questions and doubts if God is even real. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. But I'm telling you, if you'll just keep asking questions and struggle well with that, it's okay that you're struggling. I just want you to know that, okay? It's okay. All right. We gotta move on. So this is one thing that people come to me a lot as a pastor um, in the churches, and, and, and I understand that people struggle, and, and that's, that's life, that's, 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 that's Christianity, but we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the process of sanctification of our souls. That's a big word, right? Sanctification. That just means that you're just becoming more and more like Jesus through death to self and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about it like this. That I may suffer with him in his death and know the power of his resurrection. Not that I'm there yet. Not that I'm perfect yet, but I keep going back to the cross. I keep going back to the cross. The righteous man falls seven times, seven times, rises again. Keep going back to Jesus. Don't give up, young people. Don't give up when you you fall down. Don't give up when you fall down. That's the difference between somebody that makes it a lifetime living for Jesus and makes an impact and leaves legacy. Don't give up. Keep going back to Jesus. It's okay, he's there. He's like the, the you know, the prodigal, the prodigal son goes off and he sins. He takes his father's inheritance, Luke chapter 15. You guys should read it on your own time. I don't have a whole lot of time to, to get through it, but he, he comes to his dad and he basically says, Dad, I wish you were dead. I could care less about you. I'm not gonna be around when, when you die. And you know what, when you're elderly, I could care less to take care of you. That's what he was saying. I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. So the father takes it, Divides it up between the younger brother and the older brother. Younger brother goes off with all this money, starts partying, drinking, prostitution. He's paying for prostitutes. And a famine hits the land. He ends up in a pig pen working for a guy in a pig pen, which was the very, 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 very worst place, rock bottom, that a young Jewish boy could ever live in. In a pig pen, full of, uh, uh, you could imagine. <laughs> And he's literally starving to death, and he gets to the place where he sees the pig's food as being yummy. I mean, come on. That's hungry, dude. He didn't see the pig as being, you know, how it would have been like, (laughs) give me some of that bacon. But they couldn't eat bacon because they were under the Levitical law. So he's there. He realizes, and this is what happens, though. This is what happens. I think it's verse 17 it says when he came to his senses he's in the pig pen and it says when he came to his senses or another translation when he came to himself he actually sees his sin for what it was for the very first time and he has a godly sorrow for the first time in his life and he says i've sinned against my father i've sinned against my father in heaven and my earthly father and then he starts coming up with this, with this whole spiel about how he's going to come back and talk to his dad and, and, and this, "If I could just be a slave for my father, I'll just be a slave for him." So he makes his way back, But I want you to know that he was extremely repentant in his heart. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. He returns home, and while he was still a long way off, the father sees him, takes off, starts sprinting towards his son, and he gets up to his son, and he literally wraps his arms around his neck. And and in the Greek, it's almost as if his chin is lying on his his chest. This is the father around the son. The son starts to go into the, the whole speech. But listen, the father knew that he had already... He was repentant inside. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. We sang that. Listen, God is concerned about the inside, not the outside. It's what comes out of a man that can be vulgar. It's not what goes in. And he comes back, and he's completely repentant, and the father just embraces him and says, son, Here's my best robe. Put a ring on his finger, kill the fat and calf, and they celebrate and they have a party salvation. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So, that's a picture of godly sorrow. I'm going to give you another one in a minute, but I want to talk to you about worldly sorrow because what the heck is that? Here's, here's my best way of explaining it to you in a very short amount of time. You guys ever done anything really, really stupid? Raise your hand. Hi. Everybody should have their hands up if you didn't know that. You remember when you did something really, really stupid and you got caught doing it and you were like, you regretted it because you got caught, not because it was wrong. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you say, like, sorry. But it only goes horizontal in scope, whether it was with your parents or, or whoever it may be. Sorry about that. I blew it. I screwed up. But you really weren't sorry. Vertically, <laughs> you know, with God. So it's really horizontal. So worldly sorrow, I believe, goes goes horizontal only. You just you just a little bit upset that you got caught. See, I used to uh, uh, be addicted to uh, getting drunk. Uh, Uh, doing cocaine, things of this nature. My wife is sitting here, my my youngest son, seven. It it pains me to say that in front of him, but it's true. And uh, so uh, we speak truth, right? We just be open and honest. Listen, how the heck am I going to expect that young man not to live my life if I'm not honest with him? So... um, I used to this is this is my best my best shot at it because I know that I've experienced worldly sorrow and I've experienced godly sorrow that led me to repentance and my salvation moment with Jesus Christ. Listen, I used to over and here's what worldly sorrow does. Worldly sorrow there's nothing spiritual about it. It's emotional. Listen, you can have worldly sorrow and cry snot bubbles the whole bit, you're choking on your own snot. You can have that worldly sorrow Absolutely real, very, very real, but it just has nothing to do with God. I had this many times. I'd, I'd, I'd go out the whole night long, uh, come home early in the morning, and I've told my wife, what, thousands probably, right? Literally. Had to have been well over a thousand times, uh, I would say, over the span of years. that I, Because listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I did not want to drink anymore. Wife, two kids. I, I truly wanted to be a good dad. I wanted to be a, a great husband. I, I wanted all of these things to happen in my life, but I tried my best to make my sin behave better with all the self-help techniques. Oh, you can do this. You know what? That sin that's going on in your life, you know what? Ah, You can, you can make it better. You just try harder and you work harder at it to make your sin behave better. And guess what happens? You have all these emotional moments because you fail again. You fall again. And you get down on yourself. And then I'd come home and I'd have the, we'd, we would have major blowout fights because of me. And there would be these emotional moments when, 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 you're, when you're yelling and you're screaming and I'm just going, I... I'm not going to do this ever again, ever, ever, ever again. I promise you. Super emotional tears, snot bubbles, the whole bit. And I, I honestly didn't want to do those things anymore. It was true. But I was only sorry to her. It was horizontal. And it's, here's the thing with emotions, difference between emotional and spiritual, emotions will subside. Have you ever gotten real, real emotional and the next day you're like, oh my gosh, that was stupid. What did I just, you know? And you, Right? Because the emotions subside and as soon as they do, you return to the same vomit that you were in before. Come on, somebody. I know you're young, but I know you've, many of you have been there and if you, if you haven't, it's praise God, but I'm telling you, it is one of the worst things in the world because as a dog returns to its vomit. That's what I was doing. That's how I was living life but I was never once sorry to God about my sin because I was prideful. I was proud. I could do things on my own. God, I don't need God. I don't even know if there is one. That's where I was. And so those emotional moments, as soon as they subsided, I'd go right back to the same sin that I was living in. You know don't ever despise those moments where where God is doing something in you listen i be, with this scripture i I, I do believe that. If we understand how God works, worldly sorrow can be changed into godly sorrow. But I think it's something that takes place in us, in our hearts. If we just take that and we turn it to God and we understand that, you know what? I have actually sinned against you first and foremost. And for that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing without you. I need your salvation. I need, your, I need to repent because my sin is filthy before you. And then it can go, restoration can go horizontally to the other people around you. Does that make sense? Now, I want to show you another scripture with uh, with David in it. And uh, before we get to there, this is the, my second point. Repentance produces joy. So godly sorrow, listen, I had a godly sorrow moment for the very first time after I got arrested in 2009. Did you hear what I said? You. I got arrested in 2009, drinking, possession of cocaine, facing a felony, and it was a week or two later, I can't remember at this point, it's been six years plus, we're at court, my wife and I and some family members and and a colleague or two of mine, and uh, they're out there uh, talking to me, crying, I'm not... uh, We leave. We leave the courtroom. She's got to go back to work. I got to go to work. I'm I'm in my car on my way there. And for the very first time, for the very 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 first time, through all of these different emotional battles that I had, for the very first time, and I was in a Bible study learning about the New Test. I read through the New Testament. Really, really believed Jesus Christ was Lord. I you know I read the scriptures, um, so knew them a little bit. But I was 27, 28 at this point, and. but I didn't know him. And here's why. I never saw my sin, my junk, my filth as w- what it is before a holy God. It's gross. And on my way uh, from leaving this courtroom in this courthouse, I, uh, um, for the first time, I, I experienced this and became completely poor in spirit for the first time in my life because I was very proud very proud guy and thought that I could do everything on my own and so here I am I'm in in my truck and I'm sobbing I was emotional but for the first time it was actually vertical it wasn't horizontal in scope I was understanding that I've sinned against God of the universe who, who created me and uh, it led me, it produced a repentance in me. Repentance simply means change. It's to change the way you think. It's, uh, and, and it produced repentance. and led to salvation. I have my salvation moment right there by myself in a truck crying out to God, crying out to Jesus. I, I said the name of Jesus, and I'm sobbing. I can't do it, you know. And I just completely bare before him, soul wide open, and he came in, boom, led to salvation. And I can honestly say now to this day, which is, it's very interesting because I look at it completely differently now than when we did when it was in the moment. The scripture says this, if you guys remember, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without what? Regret. See, I can honestly say Right now, as I stand before you, that I don't regret what happened. I don't want that for you. I do not want that for myself. Listen to me, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. Because I went through hell. And you guys need to steer clear of those things. A wise man, a wise woman learns from other people's mistakes. So what I'm so please understand that I'm saying right now I don't regret what happened because it led to my salvation which is the best thing that I've ever received. Repentance produces joy. Isaiah 61. Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and an opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now catch this, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Listen, to comfort all who, say that word, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of what? Joy for mourning. But it's very, very apparent here that you get joy after you mourn. Okay. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I want, I'm, I'm, we're going to close with this one. This is David. I want you to see in Psalm 32 how he goes vertical and not horizontal with this. Here we go. Blessed. I'm sorry, but what does that word mean again? What does it mean? Happy. Very good. Makarios. Happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Happy is the one whose sins are covered. Happy is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. I read that, and I'm thinking my, one of my uh, uh, kids' favorite, favorite songs right now is Happy. Yeah. Because I'm happy. Right? That, you know what I'm saying? David wrote the lyrics to that song. Happy, 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 happy. Bless, bless, bless. You guys didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh-huh, yeah. See, David wrote those lyrics, not Pharrell, okay? When I kept silent, keep, hey, catch this, catch this. When I kept silent... What is he saying? When I tried to hide my sin, when I wasn't being open and vulnerable about it even to you, God, when I kept silent... When I did not mourn over my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He was in a dry season. That's kind of what we would call it. It's a, you're in this dry season. You know, in the, in the church we called it the wilderness, the desert place. Uh, uh, and that's where he's at. And he's saying he got to that place because he did not confess his sins. And by the way, what sins is he talking about? Adultery and murder. So if you think you're <laughs> if you think you're too far away from God because of some sins that you have in your life, think again. Adultery and murder. David, here we go. Then I acknowledge my sin to you. And did not cover up my iniquity. I confess my sin. Then he goes on, he says, I I say I confess my sins, my transgressions to the Lord. Sin is merely falling short of the mark of what God's standard is. That's what it is, missing the mark. I'll confess my transgressions to you, God, and you forgave me, forgave the guilt of my sin. Worldly sorrow goes where? Where? horizontal. What is David doing right here? He wasn't going anywhere with it. He's saying, I kept silent. I'm not going anywhere with it. But then he goes, but now I'm wide open. God, just, I need you to heal me. So I'm going to go vertical with it. He goes straight to God, right? He says, and then God forgave him of his sin. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to joy. Now, Psalm 51 Oh, I don't have it in here. (laughs) But let me tell you what he says in verse 12. He goes back through and he's talking about, he's confessing the sins of adultery and murder and things like that in Psalm 51, okay? Uh, And at the very end, well, in verse 12, he says this. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Is it up here? Let's let's do it together. Restore to me the joy. Remember, repentance produces joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit. Sustain me. So he goes through this process of repenting. He's confessing, repenting, and he says, I need that joy that I experience in my salvation. Is it possible? Is it possible that the joy that you guys experienced when you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, which I can tell you, I experienced that joy. I was in the middle of, of the biggest hell storm I've ever been in in my life. You okay that I said that? You sure? Listen, and when I got saved and set free and pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, I had joy that I could not explain. I didn't even care that I was going to court anymore. That I was facing a felony. I knew that everything was gonna be okay. I literally my wife would have to remind me of dates when I was going to court. The date before she'd be like, Hey, we gotta to go to court again. And I'm going, what? We're still in the middle. Oh, okay, that's cool. I'm I'm cool with that. And before that, I wanted to kill myself. Suicide. Thoughts of suicide. Now listen to me. Godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Bible. Two guys who 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 uh they screwed up. They fell short of the mark, Peter and, and Judas. They both fell short of, did they not betray Jesus in a little bit different ways, but they both missed it. Now, Peter, listen to me, Peter denies him three times, says, I'll never, never, never do that. He did it. And guess what ends up happening to him? He repents. He had godly sorrow, I believe. I believe that he had a godly sorrow because Jesus comes back and he says, Do you love me? Three times ask him. Yeah, he, yeah, Jesus, love you lots. Love you a long time. Okay. <laughs> right? And guess what happens? He repents and he's, he's restored. Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. He's the reason that Jesus got arrested. And guess what happens? He experienced, I believe, a worldly grief that went horizontal in scope and it led to death. It says worldly grief leads to death. He hung himself. Is it possible that if he just had a godly sorrow, is it possible? I just want, I want to propose the question because I don't know. Is it possible, though, that if he honestly had a godly sorrow over it, that he could have, the outcome could have been changed? God is there for you. God is there for you. There is nothing in this world that could ever, 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 ever excommunicate you from his presence. He's a good father. Loves you more than you know. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wrap up. I'm gonna finish with this story. I heard this story about a guy who owned a carpet cleaning business. A really good one. You know those guys that come to your house, they clean your carpets, okay? this guy just hired a new employee who had worked in the carpet cleaning business before, shampooing carpets and, and, and the like. And so he comes in drops off this new employee, he says, okay, I'm gonna be back in a couple hours. I got some stuff to go take care of. He goes over to another job site while this young man is working on cleaning the carpets. He does some paperwork. He comes back because this, this young man should be about done. He arrives back in this house where this young man was actually uh, getting all of the equipment ready because he was done. He just finished. And so the, the owner of the company starts walking around the house just to inspect the job. That was just done. And as he's walking around, he's looking at the carpet, he comes to one spot, and he sees that there's there's a spot. And so he says, hey, young man, come over here. Young man comes over, and he stands him on the other side of this spot that he sees on the carpet. And he says, look down. So they're looking down at the carpet. He says, what is that? The young man says, That's dirt. He says, good. You and I can work together. Because, you see, I've had employees before that that could not see that. And if you can't see that, we can't get it out and we don't get paid for the job. So, good. You can see that. And so they kind of break. He goes back to his car and he says, just like that, the owner of the company says that the Holy Spirit spoke to him about something he had said to his wife earlier that morning. And the Holy Spirit says to him, what is that? He says, that's sin. He says, good. The Holy Spirit says, good. I can work with you. You see, a lot of my children can't see that because they're proud. A lot of my children can't see that, and I can't work with them. But you and I, we can work with each other because Jesus paid for that to get out. Did he not? Jesus paid to get that junk out of our lives. That's the process of sanctification. And it's a long haul. It's a lifetime. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we close out. And I want to make a... Make sure that we give an invitation for those of you who might be in the room and you don't know Jesus as Lord and you want to make him the Lord of your life today, you are more than welcome to. And I just want to give you an opportunity to do that in, in front of us with every eye closed and heads bowed, if that's you. All you gotta do is simply raise your hand up a little ways and I can see it, and then we're gonna pray for you. Is there anyone? thank you anybody else okay let's all say this prayer together say jesus i confess to you that i'm a sinner and i need you i understand that my sins have separated me from you that I've joined in the rebellion against you and your kingdom and I need a savior Jesus I recognize you as that savior I receive in this moment you Jesus as lord of my life holy spirit fill me with your love your goodness, your kindness, your joy, that I may experience the joy of your salvation. I love you. I commit to live the rest of my life for you. Help me to do that to the best of my ability. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 Give her a round of applause, everybody. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, uh, we're going to close out service. Uh, hope you guys had a, a wonderful morning, but we don't want you to just just leave and, and take off. Meet some new people today. We're going to open up the cafe. They're going to have some shakes and stuff back there for you guys, But but go ahead and mingle with each other before you guys take off. God bless you. We'll see you again soon. Hey, how are you, buddy? Trevor, Trevor? nice to meet you, buddy. To her, like she told me about your story. Like yeah.